I want to preach on the mark of a Christian. I want to preach on the identity of a Christian. I, I, I talk to people all the time. You know what I find a lot? There's a lot of Christians out there. I'm not, I'm not, if there's as many people that are Christians that claim to be Christians, we, we should be turning the world upside down for the sake of Christ. But you know what I'm finding? It's easier just to throw that term out than it is to live what the term means. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're going to start here and then go to Matthew 25 and looking at the Gospels and studying what Jesus said. Many people say, I am a Christian. It's like, oh, their definition is, well, I go to church. Well, let me, let me show you. What did Christ define? What is the mark of a Christian? What is the identity of a Christian? What, what, what should be in your life to scream out, I am a Christian? Which means that I am Christ-like or I am like Jesus. But what does that mean? You know, a lot, a lot of people, they don't get it, but the Bible says it says that we line up with the character of Jesus. The Bible says that to say that I am a Christian means that I am showing forth love and there's joy in my life. To say that I am a Christian means that I have a peace that passeth all understanding. It means that I have the dwelling in the Spirit of God, which gives me the power, the, the, the umption, the, the ability to do what I could not do it on myself. The, the Bible says that I live a sacrificial life. So oh, I don't have all of that. Well, then you better... Before you throw out that term, Christian, you better know what it means. Because I think the world is looking for people to be like Christ. And then they see a lot of people with that badge that I am a Christian. I go to Fellowship Baptist. I go to wherever you go to church at. And they're being like, wow, I, I don't see. Uh, what, wait, wait. So you're, you're all the, uh, I don't see it. It shouldn't be that way. Now we wonder why the world is not listening to the church and they're not drawn to the church and they're not attracted to Christians because there's nothing of that distinction that makes us shine out of what we are. If you were to study the Gospels, if you were to study to be like Jesus, you know where Jesus hung out? Jesus hung out with the outcast. He hung out with those that were not popular, those that smelled, those that didn't have friends, those that had a horrible reputation, those that were caught in the very act of adultery, threw their lady down. What are you going to do, Lord? It goes right on the ground. There's a woman that was married five times. Five times. She went to a well to gather water. She went alone. Alone. You know why? Because nobody wanted to be with her. To be honest, she probably didn't want to be with anybody because she was sick of hearing it. So she went alone. Jesus said, I must go to Samaria, guys. I, I, I need to go. I need to go. I want to go. And God's sitting there on the well when she arrives, and there's Jesus right there. And she experienced love in a way that she's never experienced before. She experienced truth and compassion. A girl that was just hesitant even to approach him because she knew you have no dealings with us. She said, I'm different. Jesus said, I'm different, okay? Just so you know, I'm different. Jesus gets off the boat and he goes to this graveyard and there's a man screaming in torment. He was chained and left in the graveyard because nobody wanted to deal with him. He was a mess. It was irritating. It was loud. 
Jesus goes up to him, screams out, Jesus, what do I have to do with you? It wasn't him, it was the demons that he was tormented. I could take you to a, a group of lepers that are sitting there that nobody ever reached out to them, but Jesus did. You know what I realized? Jesus loved the outcast. I'll be honest. We get irritated with the outcast. Oh, man. This guy's approaching the car. Honey, roll up your window. He's going to be asking for money. Sit in church by somebody and he said, man, you can tell they, they have a problem with smoking. I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't go to church to be around that. Go to that guy that just doesn't fit in. He, he, he's standing off the side. He doesn't know how to interact with people. He doesn't know how to make friends. We want to do, I want to gravitate to my friends over here. You can look at me like I'm bad, but I'm telling you, we all have that problem. Tell me we don't, but we do. Being honest. We all would rather cling to what we're comfortable with. Tell you what, a lot of people are uncomfortable because tomorrow we're going to fill this church full of kids. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you the truth. It won't be uncommon to hear a bunch of kids cussing in church tomorrow. Oh my goodness, not in church. Well, guess what? They don't know better. They haven't been taught. They haven't been blessed to have a mom and dad that raises them in the way they should go. They have sin in their life and they don't know how to deal with it. They don't even know what it is. They've never been able to identify what it is. There will be kids that will not want to listen to you. But let me tell you, every one of these kids that will be here tomorrow, Jesus is crazy about them. Crazy about them. Let, let me show you in this verse that I want to start off. It says, and Jesus said, in John 13, verse 34, he said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. I thought we're going to sit there and say, Woo! Man, that's, praise God. All right, God, we're good with that. Look to your left, high five. Look to your right, high five. Man, we're good. I love this. Man, yeah, I, I'm in church. We're sitting there. We're next to our spouse. We're next to our friends. We're next to those that we love. Man, yeah, I'll, God, I, I'm good with that. He says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Whoa, oh, <laughs> all right. All right, Jesus, wait, wait a minute, your love, you want me to copy your love, not, not just the way that we love, you, you want me to copy your love. God, but you go to people that I wouldn't want to touch. Lord, you interact, with, wait, wait a minute, the way that you love, you so love the world. You had compassion, on, Lord, that's the, that's the way in who you want me to love? Let me, verse 35, by this, Shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. You want to talk about the mark of a Christian? It's not about being a church member. I'm telling you what Jesus said. It's, it's not, your identity does not come from singing a song. The Bible says that it does not come from giving in the offering. The Bible does not say that it comes from all the things Thank you for coming today and you put on your shiny shoes and you might put on your tie and you walk through the door. But that's not the identity of the Christian that God gave us. Get out of our cars. We run from our air condition to our air condition. 
We have our Bible underneath our arm right there, and we've, we've got it all together, and we come in here, and we look good, and do the, do the little tie check, and we sit there, and we're going to sing the songs that we love, and we're going to shake the hands that we love, and you're like, man, Jesus is here. If Jesus was here today, he would take what we had here, and he'd bring it out to the ones that do not have what we have in here. But we're selfish. Because we'll soak it up, and then we'll just sit on it for a week. I'm going to show you something this morning that really, really opened my eyes. And I'll even share with you how it's changed my life. How it's made me look at things different. You see, what I've learned is people are a big deal to Jesus. I want you to turn in your Bibles down to Matthew 25, verse 31. And I want, I want you to see how big of a deal this is. Jesus is teaching before he goes to the cross and he's teaching in parables. There's a number of parables that he gives one after another and then he gets to the passage that he separates the sheep from the goats or he's talking about when the judgment, you can imagine. And, and he stands before them and he preaches this message and then he, in the middle of his message he preaches a second message. Let's start with the first one. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory... And all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. You know, there's a, there's a lot that we could learn from this. Number one, this day is going to come, all right? There will be a day that we stand before God and God separates the saved from the lost. I'm not being judgmental. I'm telling you the truth. You're sitting there saying, don't judge me. I don't have to judge you. God will be your judge. I'm not trying to, when you get in here and I preach on sin and I preach on what is right and what is wrong and I preach on what is truth and I tell you that there's only one way to heaven and everybody sits there and they, they snarl up and they say, who are you to judge? I'm not. But one day you're going to judge, and I'd rather tell you what he's going to judge here than for you to learn it there, because there it's going to be too late. There will come a day of separation. You can play the game, you can cover it up, you can have the title, you can sit in the seat, you can know the songs, you can go through the motions, but God said, I know who is mine and I know who is not. And God said, I will separate. If your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, if I know your heart, for those that have sat there and they played the game, they have no sign of God in their life. They have no change in their life. The Bible says that old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There ought to be a change in your life. Not on the outside. If you can fake it on Sunday and you live another way on Monday, you better check up on yourself. If there is no joy in your life, if there's no joy in your service, if there's no passion for God, you better check up on yourself. I know we go through valleys, and I know we go through dips, but I know there's a lot of people that play church, and they're good at it. But that's not the message. The next part might seem a little confusing. Verse 34, then shall the king say unto them on the right hand to the saved. And I want to preach his message that he preached. So in heaven, he separates the lost from the saved. And he turns and he says, then the king shall say unto the saved 
unto the righteous, unto the sheep, unto those that know that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Then shall the king say unto them, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus said, Blessed, happy, fulfilled are you. Let me put it another way that the Bible says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. There's so many different things that the Bible says about this, but the idea is, let me say what God is about to say. I am pleased with what you did. And a lot of times we sit there and go, oh, God's pleased with what I did. What, what you're thinking, what is that, God? What, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, what is it that makes you so happy? Lord, what is it that when God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, what is it that we were well done at doing? Is that right? Okay, I said it anyways. <laughs> Lord, what is it that I did that, that I accomplished for you that you say, man, you made me happy. Blessed are you. But in this passage, he tells us, so keep going. In the message that he says, it's, it's not about your church attendance. It's not about your singing. It's not about your programs. It's not about all the things that we put so much emphasis on. He says, for I am hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. I was out. I wasn't in the inner crowd. I wasn't a member. I wasn't somebody that you saw all the time, and you took me in. He said, I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison. Let me ask you, what kind of person goes to jail what kind of person messes up? What kind is that? It's somebody that has made a mess of their life or made mistakes in their life. And you know what Jesus said? He came unto me. And then shall the righteous that are very confused go, whoa, okay, Jesus, uh, I don't remember seeing you in jail, dude. I mean, <laughs> I saw you in church. Lord, I went to see you in church. Lord, I pleased you. I, 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 that's where I saw you. And shall the righteous answer and say, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirst and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we the sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye have done unto one of the least of my brethren, ye have done unto me. Let that soak in. Talking about the marks of a Christian. Talk about how many of us say, one day I want God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servants. And we're sitting there and we're going to have our little piece of paper saying, I was in church every week. And God says, that's great. Because you need church to edify yourself and build yourself up to do this. Say, I... I, I I gave to the church, and that is great too, and you need to because the church helps us to accomplish these things in the giving. But I see in this passage what God says is pleasing unto him. He said, when you gave it yourself for the sake of those that others overlooked, you please me. Wow. How often do we put the focus on so many other things? And let me say that these other things that I'm mentioning are not, that they're not important, but they are not the focus. 
It is not what God's saying is elevated as the top of your priority. And you know what I find in a lot of church? That we find people that do everything but put the heart and the love on people that need us the most. Let me give you, almost in closing, my three points instead of the full thrust of the message. Jesus explained how he broke this down, and I got this straight from this passage. He explains, number one, the method that pleases him is our service. Our method that pleases him is our service. He says, for I was hungered and you gave me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. You know, you realize what God was saying this. We can say all day long, for God so loved the world. We can say it. But when we read the rest of it, God said he gave he went into action. He showed it. He didn't just say it. See, the thing is, we like to sing about it. We sang this morning, how great is our God and how great thou art. But let me ask you, how are we showing those that are without how great is our God? We can make it the slogan of the church. We can put it on a flyer. But God demands, God desires for Christians to live it out to those that don't know. Notice how God describes these people of hungry and homeless and naked and strangers and those that were not in the flock. You know what I realized about this? The, the ministry that God was describing is not a glamorous ministry. You know what God was saying? If you want to do the ministry, the work of God, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. A lot of us, that's, that's where we're off right there. I love the ministries that we have in our church. Man, I love to be able to stand at a door and greet people as they come in. I, I love them that sit up there and they push the buttons and they get everything organized for us to be able to do what we do. I love our ushers. They come down with a gold-plated you know, offering plate and they sit there and they pass it out so we can give in our offering. I love the fact that we have our worship teams and they stand there and they look nice and they, they have their hair done and they stand there like this. And I, I love the fact that we have a choir that stands there and they sing. I could go on and on. But the ministry that Jesus is describing goes beyond those things. And sometimes that's as far as we take it. And I'm afraid when we count our service of pleasing God is nothing more than singing or passing out something, I wonder how many of us are going to be disappointed when God's not saying, well done, that good and faithful servant. Say, whoa, 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 I, I came to be uplifted. I, I, I didn't come for this. Do you know how much this has broke my heart? Because as a pastor, that's what I've given my life to do is to please God. And I have found out that just sitting in my office or just running around here or just hanging out with those Christians that I know is not enough. He described the strangers. He said, when you took the strangers in, when you took those that didn't have friends and you took those that didn't know anybody. I was at a house and I went out yesterday with Morgan and we were going house to house and we were inviting kids to vacation Bible school. And there was an older lady that came out the door and she was standing there and, and I knew that, that she was probably not of the age that she would have little kids running in the, around the house and I still went up to her because the whole thing is that I was telling them before we went out, it's not about signing kids up for Bible school, it's about representing Jesus to those in our community. That's our life. 
And I just walked up to her, and I was just really happy. Christians should be happy. They should be. They, they shouldn't look like you, you, Jesus was twisting your eye. Okay, okay, I'll go talk to him, you know. Like, yay. I want to hear what you got to say. I walked up there, and I said, ma'am, I don't, I don't know, you know, if you have kids. And I gave her this flyer and everything. And let me tell you, the lady preached at me. I thought, oh, my goodness. I had, God knew what I was going to be say, preaching today. And the lady took that flyer, and she said, you know what? I grew up, and she mentioned a certain type of uh, uh, religion. And she said, I went to a Baptist church not too long ago. My neighbors that live right here went to a Baptist church. And I went with them to a Baptist church. They since moved away. And I walked in there, and she said, can I tell you something? They were so nice to me. And she said, they took me in, and she said, I met these people, and they were so kind, and they, they did this. And then she's going through, and she's explaining all this stuff that went on. And she stopped, and she looked at me, and she couldn't talk anymore because she just started crying. And she looked at me, and she said, do you know what that means to somebody that doesn't have anybody? I live in this house alone, she said. I don't have a lot of friends. I don't have places to go to make friends. She said, but when I went to that church, I found friends that cared about me. And I'm thinking, okay, God, I hear it. Okay, all right, I get it, I get it. Do you know where I found this lady? She wasn't knocking on the door of the church, and she wasn't walking in the lobby. I found her in her neighborhood. And you know where I find Jesus looking for people? Where they were at. You know, you know what we like to do? Nowhere in the scripture do I find where Jesus says, all right, disciples, we're going to do this thing. Peter, go turn on the neon sign. Make sure it's pointing. That little flashy point points this way, okay? John, I want you guys to set out this and, and, and you know, set out some donuts, the, the ones with the stuff inside. You know, and I mean, Jesus is just organizing church, right? No, I don't find that in scripture, do you? I love what we got. But I found out that the method that Jesus had was serving other people. You know, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with that. See, the thing that God has explained is service requires action. He said, be ye a doer of the word and not a hearer only. He said, in order for the sick to be visited, somebody had to go to them. It takes action. In order for somebody that was naked to be clothed, somebody had to get the clothes and bring it to them. In order for somebody to be visited in jail, yeah, she's, she's getting ready for our jail ministry. So every time you hear that, that's, that's her little plug for her jail ministry, okay? When somebody, somebody actually has to get in a car and drive there to make an effort to do that. You see, you see that when Jesus loved us, the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he came to us. Let me ask you once again, are you a Christian. L let me let me take you the next one. I, I get so many things. L l we, we, we go from let me go from our, our method of service to our message of love. I, I, I want so bad to be a doer of the word, but sometimes we've got to stop and evaluate ourselves as a church as to do we get together more 
to talk about this than we do to do it. Stop and think about it for a minute. If we were to add up what we do as Christians, and I'm your pastor, so I'm telling you that this is hardest for me to say than it is for you to hear it. I come to church Sunday morning at at 10 o'clock to talk about pleasing God. Come to church at 11 o'clock to talk about pleasing God. I come back to practice this at 4.30, whenever you practice this, to practice singing about God. We have church at 6 o'clock that night to talk about God. We come back usually Wednesday night at 7 to talk about God. God says, well, you got the talking part good. You guys, woo, you love, you love to talk about it. How much do you do it? How much do you go to the sick? How much do you reach out to the jails? How much do you go to those that are without? How, how much, how much, how much, how much, how much? And let me just say for right now, it's not a program in a church that does it. We're so program driven of giving me a time or a date. Here, I, I had the opportunity this, word, this week, I was... And the Lord's convicted me. I'm telling you what, when you get into God's word and you start learning things, God will hit you. And I'm, I'm, I had an opportunity to visit somebody in the hospital, and my visit got totally messed up as the time, and I went way out of my way to see somebody, and then it got messed up, and I had to get, it was just, it was, it was a frustrated morning. I'm driving away, and God says, what are you going to do? Because the sick needs to be seen. So I, I'm, I'm driving back, and I said, okay. Three more hours to go and go back and see this person. I went back and go up the elevator and I'm standing there and the lady said, I'll, I'll, I'll have somebody take you back. She said, it's, it's complicated to get back in, in the hospital that I was in because of all the, the twists and turns and stuff. And here's this Asian lady, young lady, who walks up. She's probably 22, 23 years old. She walks up next to me, and they said, will you take this pastor back to pray with so-and-so? And she said, yeah, I'd be happy to do so. She's walking. She turns to me, and she goes, oh, so you're a Christian pastor. She said, I, I, I was raised a Buddhist. I wonder what you believe that's comparable to what I believe. I'm like, okay, God, thank you. You know, And I'm walking, and I, and I have this conversation, and she probably thought I was just like, she said, man, this dude is old. Because I slowed down walking like this. I was like, okay, you know, like, uh, you know, I got only so much time to tell you. And I, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to share with her th- this truth. And, and, I, and I'm just asking her, I said, well, you know what, let me ask you, what has that statue ever done to you when you prayed? And, and I'm going into my heart and I'm trying to do this. And then she gets to the door and she says, okay, here's your door. And I'm like, I'm not done. And I was like, no. And so... I go back, and I had an opportunity to minister to someone, and I came back out, and I walk out the door, and there's that girl standing right there. She looks up at me, and she goes, oh, do you need somebody to escort you back out? And I'm like, well, yes, I do, you know. (laughs) I walked right up to her, and she's sitting there, and so I look right at her. I turn, and I said, let me ask you, how does Buddha help you get to heaven? She looked at me, and she says, I've never heard that part of it before. And I said, let me tell you what Jesus says we do to get to heaven. And I said, you see, we're all sinners. And I went through, and I, I'm giving illustrations of being in the hospital and all these things that we're walking. And, and, and as I'm walking, no joke, 
here's a lady on her way to surgery, and I'm talking to this girl, and this lady is sitting there with all the people in scrubs pushing her bed. And that lady is sitting there, and she's sitting up as they're pushing her, and she's got tears just coming down her face like crazy where she's crying. You know what? The more that I'm getting into this and the more I'm seeing, you know what God was doing in my heart? Did anybody minister to her before she went back? Did anybody tell her it's going to be okay? Did anybody tell her that there's a God that will go with her back to that surgery? Did anybody tell her? Or do we have a bunch of Christians sitting in church going, how great, how great is our God? When God says, they need to know how great is your God. They need to experience how good is your God. They need to know And how will they know unless you go? How will they know unless you get up and do something more than talk about it? It's convicting. See, our method is service, but our message is love. You see, when I look at this passage, it says, For I was hungered, and ye... What's the word? I I was thirsty, and ye... Every one of these things, it says you did this and then you did something. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. And now I'm not telling you to take a bullet for somebody. But you know what the verse is telling us? Is the Christian life is about sacrifice. Going back once again to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me stop and ask you again. Are you Christian because talk is cheap see the message that God wants to give the people is the message that he loves them John 3 16 screams that out over and over again it's a message of that message of God's love when he was saying when you feed somebody they want to know why you care about me when you visit somebody and I I, I recently two three weeks ago I, I, I met somebody here at the church I went and found out that they got in trouble. I went to see them in jail. I walked around the corner. They sat there. The first thing the guy did was looked at me and he said, wow, you guys really do care. I, I didn't even know what to say because I wasn't looking at it that way. I wasn't, and I'm just thinking, whoa, this goes a long way when we send out the message of God's love. Because people in a world that is constantly taking from them and ripping them off and lying to them need a different message. And that is a message of hope and forgiveness and love and of of mercy. You say, that person doesn't deserve it. And I don't help that person. I don't know what they're going to do with that. These kids come in here tomorrow. We're going to sit there and judge them and go, I don't know if they listen at all. All they do is come around and put little fingerprints all over our windows. And they they get gum in our seats and all this other stuff. Let me tell you, God loves the gum in our seats. God loves it when we have to get new tires on our buses because we wore out our, 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 our tires. God loves that. I, I pray that we wear the carpet out in our churches from kids coming up and down the aisles. I pray that we wear out everything that we have using it for God's glory because that's what it's for. It's not spit and polished and ooh, look at it. It's not about this. Jesus, before he went to the cross, you know what he did? He took out the auto robe that represented his authority, and he got on a knee, and he started washing their feet. When we're not willing to take off our outer robe, when we're not willing to get down to the level and be able to minister to their need, then are we truly like Jesus? He 
so frustrated with the Pharisees because he said, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. He said, you guys say it, but I don't see the action in your life. And the last thing I ever want to do is live a life that's more like a Pharisee. Let me close with this. We've seen through this, the marks of a Christian are seen through the methods of our service and through the message of our love. But last, I want you to see that it's the motive, which is Jesus. I want to know why, if you're signed up, you're going to be here tomorrow. You're going to go back to that person that doesn't fit in. and You're going to go out to that person over there that is sick or that person that hasn't been here. Let me ask you, why are you going to do it? I have my kids, and I know I use my kids as illustrations, but that was the illustration that God gave, and I see it so much in, my, in, in raising kids. I just do. I can't always be there for my kids in different areas of my life like I would be, and I could look back at my Christian life as a pastor and see some really cool stuff that I experienced through you guys. I've had my kids hurt before. Before I ever got to my kid, there was one of the other leaders that was sitting there holding my daughter as she had glass in her foot. And they said, Tony, open your car. Let's take her to the hospital. I've been there before where I was so caught up in work that, that the kids were playing. And I go down there and said, oh, you kids are probably hungry. And they said, no, brother so-and-so went down and got all of us lunch for us because they knew you were busy. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I, I can't begin to tell how many different things that people have done. Can I tell you guys with all sincerity, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, when you take care of your kid, my kids to bless them, you bless me. You say, I oh, know I did that for Jordan. I did that for Logan. No, you have no idea as a dad. When you did that to Jordan, you did that unto me. When you extend love to the ones that I love, you are loving me. And Sonny was like, man, I, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have done it, you know. Principle. That's how it works. Let me tell you, you want to make me mad? Step over one of my kids that's hurt. Say you're you're busy and you had to get somewhere. Let's say you're you have to teach your Sunday school class and Jordan's laying out there, you know, I don't know, tripped over candy or something. I don't know. And he's like, oh, you know, he's laying out there, he's hurt and everything. Jordan, I'm sorry, I've got to get to class, man. I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy, you know. You then turn around and say, Pastor Tony, I want you to know I just really loved you. And I'd be like, you know what? You can save it. Because if you loved me, you would have stopped and picked up my son that was hurting. And he was crying out. You really love me. You guys already know where I'm going with this. Because at the end of this passage, Jesus turns and he says, The king said unto them, verse 40, Verily I say unto you, as much as you have done unto one of the least of these, you have done it unto me. Every child that will walk into this church represents Jesus. Represents the desire of God's heart to say that I love them. Represents the fact that God wants us to give of ourselves, to give them that message of love. God wants us to give them that service. God wants us to pour ourselves into them. And God says the result of that is we bring glory to God. We please God in doing that. It makes a difference. I just feel like the talk is cheap. Let me throw one out at you. Say, boy, this, uh, we're going to get together and talk about it. We, we did it again. Congratulations, it's 12.06. 
We've met again for an hour to talk about God's love, to sing about our great God. And I look at that and God says, no, I, I want more, guys. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. That's what God said. July 13th, let's do something. July 13th, let's do something. Our, our carnival is next week. Our vacation Bible school is next week. And we're, we're going to lots of kids. It's awesome. Me and Morgan went out. We went door to door visiting and went up to a guy. And he said, do you, I said, do you guys have any kids? He said, do I have kids? And, you know, one by one, these kids were coming out. I was like, wow, okay. Can I have a whole bus route right here? It just is awesome. Neighbor kids and friends and all these relatives and everything. I was like, wow. I was talking, dad was filling out the registration forms to turn the kids. I said, where do you guys normally go to church? They said, we don't, we don't go to church anywhere. One of the kids spoke up and said, but we want to. I was like, oh my goodness. That is, that is kids that all I had to do was walk up and say, hey, you know, I mean, that's it. You guys practice it. How many can you do? All right, you know, just, just invite them to show an effort of saying, hey, there's something good, better than what's out here. And I want to show you. So we thought, you know what, what if we combine these efforts of everything that we're doing? And on July 13th, we, we build up to that day. So we, we have flyers being made that we're going to pass out next week. We're going to invite them back on July 13th to do something as a church. We are going to sponsor a picnic for all the families that will be attending Bible school. We're going to do the serving. We're going to cook for them. We're going to sit at their tables. We're looking at families. When, when these bus families come in and we pull up the bus and they're getting off one by one, we want to greet them and say, man, it's awesome that you guys are here. Man, it is, it is cool that we're, we're going to come in here and, and we're going to have tables set up and we're going to have servers that are going to go around and serve them. We're going to have church members sitting at all the tables that are going to interact with them. They're, they're not just some sort of prospect. We want to see that there's a family thing going on. Then we're going to give them the gospel. Of course, we're going to give them the gospel. We're going, to, we're going to love on them. We're going to do different things to lift them up and encourage them. We're going to tell them what God's doing through their kids. And then we have a whole team of people that are going to be working with their kids. We're doing this Sunday, July 13th at 4.30. He said, whoa, man, that's going to be hard. We're not going to be able to have church that evening when we're doing that kind of church. We're going to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Because they need to know that we love them. I'm already braced for the people that say, oh, another church service we're not having. Bring it on. Bring it on. Just so you know, I'd rather please Jesus than you any day of the week. That's what we're here for. If Jesus, before he goes to the cross can take off his outer robe and get down and wash feet, I can hand a plate of food to somebody. And here it is at the carnival when we have all these families, we're going to have a whole display and all these people charged up to, to reach out and to love and do all these things. I, I hope everybody is that way. Let's not just put it on a flyer. Let's show them in our life. Let's go out of our way and let them know that Jesus is the real deal. And they're only going to know that is when they see it in us.